Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. Money FM 89.3, good morning. It's the breakfast huddle. Elliot Danker and Ryan Huang with you. It's time now for our Eurowatch segment. We'll take a look at the inflation picture in Europe as well as the Ukraine Russia situation. On the line with me this morning is Antonio Fatas, professor of economics at INSEAD. Good morning, professor, and happy new year. Hey, good morning. Happy New Year. Prof, let's uh, start off with the inflation picture. A lot of economists forecasting last year that the UK is going to face one of their worst recessions in this coming year. In fact, in this year, uh, very stubbornly high inflation as well. And this morning, Rishi Sunak, the UK Prime Minister, pledging to cut debt, half inflation in uh, crisis-hit Britain. What are your thoughts on some of the things he talked about, including promises to grow the economy, tackle immigration, improve healthcare, and make people study math till they are 18 years old? I mean, I think there's a, there was a lot of policies announced. I don't think they were specific enough. I yeah. think there's, there's obviously some good ideas when you hear sort of the headlines. But this government, as they had shown, including also the previous government that lasted very little, I mean, it's short of concrete ideas. And it's certainly short of being able to, to sort of catalyze on some good ideas to get some optimism in the UK economy. I think the level of pessimism that we see today about the UK is very dramatic compared to the other countries. Mm. Professor, I mean, from the UK and, and even wider uh, to the rest of the Eurozone, where there's talked about continuing to raise borrowing costs, that's obviously going to hurt business profits. Um, what are we looking at in terms of a timeline for potential business recovery? I mean, it's not just a pandemic anymore. It's the Ukraine-Russia crisis. Yeah, I mean, I think one has to be a little bit more optimistic in the okay. sense that if you look at the European economies in general, they've recovered very well from the COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, they recover faster than in any other crisis before. Unemployment rates are the lowest they have been in many European countries. Employment rates are the highest they have been in many European countries. So if you take a snapshot of the economy today, I wouldn't say it's bad. I think we're looking at the future. We're worried that the increasing interest rates will, will slow down the economies. We're worried about energy crisis. So I, I think it's a mixed bag of news. I, I don't think we need to be fully pessimistic here. Okay. I, I think the economy is not in a bad place if you look at what it is today. I, I think we're worried about what this year, 2023, might bring. Mm. Talking about this sense of optimism, I mean, when you look at how China is going to come back out into the world, how do you view that? Because on one hand, you've got a situation where policymakers, they want more testing on Chinese tourists. But the airline industry is condemning these moves because, hey, let's get this tourism thing restarted. It's going to be good for the economy. What are your thoughts? I mean, I think this is a little bit of a political game. Asking for a COVID test before flying, I don't think it's that dramatic. Of mm. course, it will slow down a little bit some of the travel, but, but it doesn't seem to be completely unreasonable. I'm not saying it's very reasonable either. I think to me, that's a detail. I think they're playing a little bit games, sort of blaming each other for what is happening or not happening with the pandemic. I don't think that will majorly affect the recovery of travel from China, the fact okay. that you asked for a, for a COVID test. Right. Could that strain relationships, especially like with, you know, between the countries that are already strained with China, for example, the UK? I mean, I think there are lots of other issues that are more important, mm. whether there are fights about semiconductors or issues which are a little more relevant. Again, this is not helping in some sense, but yeah. I think this, this to me is an anecdote. I know it's very visible because we've been living with these COVID restrictions and tests for now two plus years, and we all read them whenever they come. 
But, but I think to me, this is an anecdote compared to the other things that are happening. All right. Professor, let's move on to talk about the Ukraine-Russia conflict. I mean, this morning we've got news that uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin sending a frigate to the Atlantic Ocean uh, armed with new generation hypersonic cruise missiles. That's a signal that they're not going to back down on that war over in the Ukraine. As far as a, a forecast of this energy crisis is concerned, I mean, some experts have said it could have been worse during the winter season. What are you observing in this? aspect? I think we have a combination of uh, really bad news from a humanitarian point of view. This is a war that is not ending soon. Russia cannot win the war fast and Mm. Ukraine will never let Russia take over their territory. So we're here for a long run when it comes to the war. That's really bad news in particular for people in Ukraine. The good news is the weather in Europe is so warm that there's no energy crisis. Uh, Not only that, when you look at the storage of gas and energy in Europe, it's increasing during the winter, which is really unusual, which is good news for the next winter. So now we're thinking about the winter of 2023-24, not the one that we're living. And I think this is excellent news from an economic point of view, because we were really worried that at this stage, would see power cuts everywhere in Europe. We're not seeing that. We're seeing the opposite. We're seeing very good planning for the next winter. Okay. I want to get back to warmer winters in just a while, but I'm also getting word that uh, based on the Global Energy Monitors report, we're seeing a scramble for Africa's gas, planned gas infrastructure investments in the region amounting to something like 245 billion US dollars. Is this looked at as a short-term solution or a workaround? I mean, it is. I think that's what Europe has been doing. They've been finding all the possible short-term solutions. Germany built sort of the facilities to bring liquid gas into Germany directly. And I think we're trying to exploit any source of energy which is available in the short term. At the same time that we're trying to build a long-term strategy Mm. sort of move away from these sources of energy. So I think you're playing both games. You know that in the long run, there has to be another solution. But there has to be a solution as well for the next winter or the next couple of winters. And I think that's what we see. And this is good news. It's a little bit, of course, money that maybe is wasted in the sense that it would great if we had other sources of energy. But that's what the reality of energy constraints thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Professor, it's interesting earlier, you and just coming back to the point of a warmer winter, so maybe less worried about next year and the year after. Here in Singapore, we were enjoying like 24 degrees, which was a colder so-called winter. I mean, how does this extend? Accelerate that conversation regarding climate change, regarding global green plans. I mean, I think what the scientists will tell you is that it's climate change. Change mm. doesn't always mean warmer everywhere. It yeah, means okay. more sort of volatile weather patterns, what we see in the U.S., what we see in Europe. If you want what we're seeing in Singapore today, it reflects that. Overall, the planet is getting warmer. That is an, an obvious fact. And there should be even more momentum to think about energy alternatives that try to limit the speed at which the planet warms, right? Yeah, yeah, we saw the EU reach a landmark deal to bolster the carbon market as part of the green push just last month. Ahead of COP28 this November, is it going to be more of the same agenda or could there be a higher urgency? Your thoughts on this, Professor? I mean, I think the policies are hard to implement is whenever yeah. you try to price carbon because pricing ah. anything is more expensive for consumers, more expensive for businesses. There is progress there, but that will always be slow. I think what I'm looking for is innovations in technology, mm. investment in new technology, mm-hmm. which they, the only thing that they do is they lower the cost of energy for everyone. That's the really good news. We're seeing a lot of that. I think we're seeing innovations in energy, in wind and investments. 
Now they cannot cover 100% of the energy. We understand there's still sort of a challenge ahead. But when you look at the numbers and the commitment of the European countries, I, mean, I think this is good news for the long term, even if it's not a solution for the next 12 months. All right. Innovation, the most important there. I've been speaking with Antonio Fatas, Professor of Economics at NCIAD. Professor, I appreciate your time as always. Take care and have a great day. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.